Welcome back to another God Squad Church service. I'm so excited to be with you today. My name is TJ, aka Daylight. I sit on the lead team here at God Squad Church, and I'm so excited to be with you today. Um, I'm blown away that you'd give us some of your time, honestly, because it's humbling that you chose to spend your time, something so limited, uh, here with us. And um, I hope that today's service is a blessing to you, and I hope that you draw closer to God through it. Um, but we've been going through an amazing series in Luke, and I'm sure you guys heard the bomb sermon last week. Uh, and so I, I hope that I, I can keep up, you know what I mean? And so we're constantly trying to just expose what the scriptures say. And it's so important as we venture through Luke to be able to do that in a clear, concise manner because Luke was a concise author, right? We've talked about that before. He was a physician. But this letter or this book, this gospel was a gospel to the Gentiles, right? And so we always have to look at it from that mind. I like giving you guys a refresher on that is that this these words were focused to the Gentiles. You might be like, hey, Daily, what's, what's a Gentile? Well, the Gentiles were the people that were not calling themselves Jewish, right? They were, weren't the, the Jewish people. They were not, they were the surrounding people, the people on the outside of that, whether they be practicing Judaism or they might also have just been someone of a different faith or a different belief system. And so that is the Gentiles, the people not of God was kind of the idea behind it. And so often you will hear that term used and that's what this bio, th this book specifically is towards. And even more specific, it was really pointed towards the Roman Gentiles and those that were kind of in that vicinity. And as you know, the Roman Empire was very vast. And so this was a message that was a little bit rattling because it's very dangerous to start calling someone else king or god or emperor that's not the caesar right and that's not the emperor that's ruling the land and so this was a very at one sense a lot of rulers loved it because it practiced and taught us submission it taught us obedience but in the same sense it also kind of like usurped their authority. And I just want to keep that in mind as we're talking because we're actually going to be talking today in Luke 4, 1 through 15. And I like to use the CSB version because I just believe right now that it is one of the best versions out there that kind of makes the language understandable while Kia is still keeping so much of the context and the original language true. And so that's what we're in today. You can join us if you want to join us and, and see that or you can find the scriptures on the screen as we go through today. But I like to read through the scriptures first and then kind of break them down. And that's kind of what we've been doing uh, lately. And so as we talk about, you know, some of the greatest leaders in the Bible, right? like we're saying, like the usurper, that authority, the greatest usurper in the Bible was Satan. It was the devil. It was the person that tried to usurp God's power, so to speak. And the thing is, is like, it's a really interesting like situation because a lot of people see it's like red versus blue, black versus white, like, like in this idea that like it is good versus evil. And it's not. It's really the same kind of argument as like a two-year-old or a three-year-old that's like beating on the knees of like a Spartan warrior, right? Like the devil and Satan never had a chance. There is no play. Like he has no ability. God is infinite, right? God is all-knowing. He's, he's like, he's the past and the present. He's the future. Like, like he is literally unfathomable in multiple uh, regions. And the devil was created, 
And it's kind of hard to understand that sometimes because we like put them in these like two nemesis, but that's not really how it works. It's kind of like God's the G, right? He's like the OG. And the devil's just trying to like scrape as much like scraps off the table as possible. And as we talk about the devil today, I want you to understand that there like really isn't a power dynamic here of like the devil versus God. It's really the devil trying to be God and just failing over and over and over again and hoping to usurp as many people as he can. And so as we jump in today, let's read it. Uh, Luke 4, 1 through 15. Here we go. Then Jesus left the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered him, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone. Sheesh! Verse 5, So he took up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you then will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God, serve him only. So he took him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you. And they will support you with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, do not test the Lord your God. After the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. And then Jesus continues his ministry in Galilee. In verse 14, he says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee, 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 in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity. He was teaching in their synagogues, being praised by everyone. Oh, there's so much to break down in this scripture. If I had 17 days to do so, you would be sitting here captivated by the ideas and the intricacies in this scripture verses, in these scripture verses. It's just, it's absolutely mind-blowing what God was trying to convey in this because this kind of does show the idea that the devil was this kind of like annoying little two-year-old banging on your on your shins saying, I'm going to beat you. Or like that guy from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, like, I'll bite your ankles. Like, it's like, you're, you're defeated. You know you're defeated and you're grasping at straws. And I want to talk about temptation for a second because that's what this is all about, right? And what I think this, this story is even in here for is to prove and show through the modeling of Jesus that temptations will come in all forms, in very, very powerful forms. And we'll talk about the different forms of temptation here. And you too will be tempted, but what will you do? And Jesus kind of shows a trick here that I'm not sure all of us really, really understand 
fully or completely or utilize when we are being tempted. And so it's really interesting as we talk about temptation, that word is so like overused and all right, like, like Christians overuse it and like, Oh, don't let that be a temptation, brother. Like, it just like, it makes it awkward or like, you know, people like you'll, you'll have like a new, uh, a new perfume or, or cologne brand and it'll be like temptations. And like, you're like, Whoa, Hey, I don't even know if I should be watching this commercial. There's crashing waves. I don't know about that. Like, you know what I mean though? But I want to talk about temptation while gaming. All right. So I have this temptation. I'm going to be dead honest, guys. I'm going to, I'm going to admit it today. I'm just going to admit it. I'm a loot goblin straight up. Call me Mr. Loot Goblin. Put it in the chat right now. Loot Goblin Daylight, bro. I am not going to lie. You can, if someone's talented out there and you wanted to make a Daylight-esque man bun looking picture with a goblin looking face with a ton of loot on him, that's me. I just, I cannot, I can't hide. Like, I want to be this Chad and this guy that's like super disciplined in gaming. I'm like, I don't even need the loot, man. I'm just, I'm gun the guy down and, and be ready for the next guy. Nope. That's not me. It's just not. When temptation comes my way, Chat, when temptation comes my way, I am 100%. I'm the guy. When it's loot, bro, I just go for it, man. I do. It's so bad, bro. It is. Man, I've been playing Tarkov a little bit here and there. like, And, oh, man. I'm not even going to lie. Like, I'm the guy that runs full speed and then dives on the body and I don't even know who's left, man. I don't even know if there's teammates. Like, my teammates can still be fighting. And I'm like, oh, man, someone's got to get this loot, though. <laughs> I, I die so often in video games because I'm so worried about the loot. It's just like the things, the shiny baubles. You know what I mean? I am the loot goblin. And it's because it's a temptation, right? It's like calling my name, like, come daylight is the treasures that are unimaginable. Like, I, I swear, I'm like mesmerized. Like I'm in Aladdin and the lamp is there. I'm like, the genie, like, that is me, man. I'm like a, a ch I'm like a chimpanzee or spider monkey that finds like those shiny things. Like, that's me. And it's a temptation. Like I'll be in a gunfight, all right? And you can use this in any game, whether it be like DayZ, it'd be Rust, uh, it'd be Tarkov, in whatever game you're looting in, in the, and, and it's not done yet. And when I really found this out about myself, and like when I look back, like hindsight 2020, it actually started with a game called Boulder's Gate. And I would be playing with my buddies, all right? I think it was Dark Alliance, actually. Dark Alliance, Boulder's Gate? I don't know, somewhere, I think it's Dark Alliance. Dark Alliance, but it's made uh, maybe Boulder's Gate Dark Alliance, whatever. But it, it's it's made in that that system. And so basically, what you could do is you could have four but three buddies and yourself, and you could play this game. But like you would be killing things, and there'd be like a chest on the other side. And I'm not gonna lie, chat. Like I saw the chest when we would enter the room, and I would be making my way slowly to that chest. That's what I'd be doing. I'd be like fireballing, doing the thing, and like I'm slowly making, and I click the chest as fast as possible. I was a loot goblin, man. And like I fit that name well. And so that's me. I had to confess that. But so I'll be playing shooters, and, and someone will go down, and like I won't even double check for their teammates, and I'll die because of it, right? Like there's a huge consequence when we're worried more about something that not necessarily, it's not time for yet, or it's, it's, it's out of my reach. I shouldn't, or it's, it's things and, and, and things that are like, not really even, it's pixel loot, like for me, right? 
but I would be consumed by it even though it didn't matter. Because all I could think of is that I want that now. I want that new thing. I want that better armor. I want that better gun. And the temptation was so real that I would lose the patience. I would lose self-control in order to chase after those things. And I'm not going to lie, guys. Like, it pays off rarely ever. And instead, if I was patient, like, eventually I probably would get the loot, right? I eventually would get the thing that I was chasing after. And I want you to see how Jesus, as we just walked through the scriptures, dealt with the loot, right? How he dealt with the temptation. And so we're going to talk about three different loots that Jesus is tempted with in this passage. And we're going to break them down. And so as we go back into the scripture, Luke 4, 1. Then Jesus left the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. That's interesting to me. For 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He was led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted. This is interesting because it means something. Okay, because it starts with this scripture verse where God led him into this situation so that he could be tempted, right? So that there could be some sort of outcome because God knew already knew the outcome, right? Like he already knew he's the son of God. Like he already had this plan far before, but he led him to be tempted. And I find this interesting, not because I think that the, the, the Lord puts you in tempted situations so you can overcome them always, but it shows that when we face temptation, because Jesus was the model, this doesn't mean it's like how it's supposed to be for everyone us being led, led to led to temptation by the devil. Like, but he was the model. He was supposed to model this idea for us. And on the other side of the scripture, right, literally it says, then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit. That was in verse 14. So like, if you go back and forth between those, he was led, he overcame, and then he was empowered. And I find that super interesting because I do think there's something there about our empowerment by the Holy Spirit and the way that the Holy Spirit works within us when we resist temptation. And I think sometimes we're put in these situations in life and it might not be the Holy Spirit leading you into that temptation, but whatever temptation comes your way, what do you do with it? Like, right, what does it look like for you? Are you just someone that easily just succumbs to things? And I think God is watching and I, 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 unless see God is like setting us up as like this test exam guy, like we're sitting there and he's the proctor of some life test. And I see him more as like a college, like football scout. And he's just watching us do the things we do and walk in the manners we walk. And then he gives us opportunity like a college coach would. Like, Hey man, maybe we want to see you down at UCLA, son. Maybe I think you could do, I think you could throw a ball here down in Alabama. Roll Tide. Like, but that's, I feel like Jesus is like, hey, I, I've seen that you overcome that. And I can now empower you to do this because I can, I can now trust you that you move in this way or that way. Like, I've seen it in your character. I've seen you handle the little things well. These aren't little things, but Jesus does role model this for us in a bigger picture. And I think he's led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil because he is the role model for us. Like this, this chapter had to happen for us to understand that Jesus had to go through all the same temptations we did and still he overcame. 
And so, so he, he's led there uh, to be tempted by the devil and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were over, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, first thing he says, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And like, this isn't like a big temptation if you hadn't just been starving yourself for 40 days, right? Like, like, oh, some bread is what it is. You know, bread was a big life source for them back then and often used in these different imageries to convey life, to convey a source of something that give you more, right? Like, like to keep you sustained. But it's even deeper here because Jesus just fasted. He ate nothing those days. For 40 days and 40 nights, right? So the first thing the devil does is he attacks the surface level issues he already sees present. I'm going to say that one more time because I, I think some of you are going to have some realizations in your own life right now. The devil attacks the surface level issues that he can see are present. Oh, you're struggling financially? Let's cause your car to get smashed. Oh, you're, you're having an issue with relationships? Your best friend's gonna dump you. Oh, 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 oh. You're struggling with, with with looking at things you shouldn't be? Ed. It's the first thing he does is he attacks him in the obvious and something that was a present need. He needed food. I can only imagine how weak he was. If you've ever fasted, you would understand. And if you've never fasted for any more than a day or two days, three days, like you wouldn't even close to understand. 40 days is no joke. But Jesus answered him, it is written, man must not live on bread alone. And those words have such power. Because we were not meant to live on bread alone. And what that meant is we were meant to be sustained by God and not in necessarily a nutritious way, right? Like our diet, but it does make sense because your diet is the daily things you consume. And are you daily consuming God? But the thing is, is no matter what, whether bread sustains you for more years, it will not bring you wholeness. Because at the end of your days, if all you had was bread and you never consumed God, you never followed after him, you're not walking in the eternal relationship with him. Instead, you're, 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 you're dead to your transgressions, right? And so the first thing the devil does is attack that which sustains his life. He attacks the thing most like envision the first thing we would think about my life, like my temporal life, like my body, I need this to live. And so the devil tempts him with life. Just turn the, just turn the bread to stone, just to, to, to stones to bread. You can do it. And even though Jesus was hungry, he did not succumb because he does this trick that I was talking about. He relies on the word of God. 
And this is why I tell you guys, and like I will, I am the preacher preaching, preaching at you when I say, read your Bible and pray. Because in your arsenal of tools, you need to understand the word of God to be able to fight against temptation or you will not know where to stand. So if God has told you to stand to the right and you have not heard that or read that or understood that, then guess what? You won't know where to stand and you might get mowed over by a bus. Right? Like, I'm talking spiritually. Like, you might get mowed over. If you do not understand the scriptures at a depth, then how do you expect to have tools and weapons against the enemy? Against your flesh? Against your desires? Against temptation? So the first thing the devil does is he attacks the thing closest to him. His life. And then in verse 5, so number one, remember, the devil tried to attack his life. That which sustained him, that surface level. So he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority. <laughs> He's talking to God right now. But <laughs> because it has been given over to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you then will worship me, all will be yours. It's funny to me that the devil... <laughs> he's talking to the king of the universe, right? Like, he's talking to the man that has all authority on heaven and on earth. That with a simple wave of his hand, the oceans were created. That with a breath of life, he created humanity. Like, we're talking about God. And he looks at him, but, you know, this earth, I, I've been allowed to run wild. You know what I mean? Like, I've been allowed down here, and I got, I got the power. <laughs> but to Jesus in his mortal form, like, this might have been a huge temptation. And I could just see him all of a sudden having the flashes of the throne. In the, in the ruling of the kingdoms and the same people that were going to shove the, the crown of thorns on his head instead, uh, crowning him with a crown of gold. And the temptation did not have to suffer because he felt every human suffering when he was on earth. And I can see him. You're right. I don't, I don't need to do all of this. I can just... I could just skip it and say, forget them. You know, forget Adam and Eve. They, I created them a certain way and they chose, they, they chose not to choose me. No, I could have, I could have saved TJ. I could have saved fill in the blank but that person crossed me. And Jesus in that moment, when he was tempted with all the authority, all of the honor on earth, he could have just been like, yeah, you're right. And this would have given the devil nothing except derailing God's plan. Because the thing that we don't quite understand is that God's grace and mercy is because he chooses to have it. 
right? Like the devil wouldn't actually have given him any authority. What this really would have been is Jesus just choosing to scratch humanity. Forget them. I don't need to suffer for them. I created them. I gave them life. I gave them power. I gave them sustenance. And they chose to walk away. But he didn't. Instead, Jesus answered him and he said, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And as Jesus was thinking in all the pain that he would eventually suffer, he said, Devil, I know my scriptures. Devil, I know my place. Devil, I know my destiny. And the truth of the matter is, is the devil was tempting him with glory. He was tempting him with instant gratification glory. Just skip those other steps, man. Don't worry about them. But Jesus understood. He understood his place. He understood his space by being the bridge that reconciles you to God. So number one, the devil tempted him with life, like actually giving him like sustenance. Number two, the devil tempts him with glory, instant gratification, glory to rule right now. Stop worrying about them. Think of you. And he goes on. So he took him to Jerusalem after the Lord had said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He said, so he took him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written in verse 10. He will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And in this, what the devil's doing is tempting him with his power. He's tempting him to use his power. He's really tempting the God part of him the creator part of him, the part of him that, that wasn't meant for this time. What was meant for this time was him to live powerless, to give up his supremacy to feel all that we felt as humans. But he was tempting him with power. Well, of course, this is what, this is what the scriptures say. And another thing I find so interesting here is that the devil doesn't just skip. He doesn't. He literally uses the word of God to try to tempt Jesus. He says, come on, man. The angels are ordered to protect you. Nothing can strike against you. Not even your foot will get struck by the stone. 
Come on. And Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not test the Lord your God. I think sometimes when we're caught in temptation and we're caught in sin, we realize we are. And we almost attempt to test the boundaries of God's mercy and grace. Well, like surely he'll forgive that or I've been doing the same sin for 20 years, but every, every day I ask him to forgive me. And we almost test his power in our lives. We test his willingness. But just because grace abounds and mercy is so forthright from God, doesn't for a second mean that we shouldn't tremble at the fact that our sin is serious. So in this third temptation, the devil tempts him with power. And it's not that Jesus didn't have power. He could have called down the legions of angels ever before that he was put on a cross, ever before he was crossed by Judas. It did not matter. He could have chosen before he was ever miraculously conceived to not be conceived. He had all the power at his fingertips. He chose not to use it because he could not be the perfect sacrifice if he chose to be all God and not all man. Jesus was 100% man and 100% God at the same time. And if he chose to go with the side that was just God, he would have forsaken his humanity and messed up the plans that God had for you and I. These temptations really had nothing to do with Jesus. They had everything to do with you and me. Every decision he made here wasn't just for his own comfort, but it was because he saw you. He saw you behind your, your, your computer screen, he, behind your phone screen. He saw you. And he knew that you had no chance. He knew that you couldn't do this on your own. You couldn't fix your relationship with God that it was only through his sacrifice, through the blood shed on Calvary, through the blood shed on the cross, that he could reconcile and be that propitiation standing in the way of God's wrath to you. Because we chose to walk away. We chose to follow after ourselves. And he knew when, when the devil tempted him, Save your life, Jesus. He knew when the second time the devil tempted him. Come on, Jesus. Let's do it for your glory. He knew when the third time when the devil tempted him. Come on, Jesus. Aren't you powerful? He saw past the immediate, selfish, 
hedonistic choices he could have made. He saw past all of that. Because he saw you. He saw you. And he knew what had to be done. And he knew no one else could do it. You know, when I'm being the loot goblin, I'm not seeing past myself. I'm not even seeing past my own life, right? Often I'm killed in the game. I have to go get back in the lobby. Send them back to the lobby. That's me. Because I'm not thinking past the first layer. I'm not thinking past my first life. I'm not thinking past the fact that my teammates need me. I'm not thinking past my own personal glory. Oh man, I found the cool item. I'm not thinking past my own personal power. Man, I'm going to be so jacked for this next raid. I'm going to be a Chad. I'm not thinking past it. I'm thinking about me. This sermon has really been tailored to the you that don't know Jesus. But don't think if you do know Jesus that you get away from hearing this. Because the truth of the matter is each and every one of you struggle with probably one of these three things. You've allowed yourself to be tempted by having maybe a better life. You've allowed yourself to be tempted by your own glory and boostering up your own name. You've allowed yourself to be tempted by power. And you need to search your heart. And where is it that you're allowing temptation to seep in? Now, this isn't every temptation in the world. And you can think about it. Like, it might be temptation in your private life, about private matters that I might not have any idea of. It might be temptation to lie. It might be, te it might be temptation to deceive people of who you are. It might be temp temptation to be lazy. But the, the main point of this entire scripture verse is looking past yourself. All of these verses sustain or, or come to the, the uh, accumulation of God teaching us that there's something more than what's right in front of us. Your relationship with God doesn't just affect you. It affects your friends. It affects your family. It affects every single person you tell the gospel to. Your reach matters. And as a Christian, you have to examine your heart. So the question today is, what is it that you are being consumed by, being tempted by, and just chasing after?
What is it? And I want you to take time, even as we go to end service here, and just take a couple minutes before you hop in the Discord, before whatever it's like, before you leave this this YouTube channel, this YouTube video. Take a couple minutes. Don't click the next video. Don't just click into the next thing. Take time and respond to God. And as always, I'm challenging you to self-reflect. Challenging you to use your prayer time with God. Spend some time with Jesus. And I'm challenging you to get to know the scriptures. Because when temptation comes, if you don't know where you stand, you'll be tossed around like the waves in the ocean. I love you and the Lord loves you so deeply. So deeply that he didn't choose him first. He chose you. So as we move to close, I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, I'm so thankful, God, that you didn't desire, you didn't desire to choose yourself first. Lord, that you saw past the, the surface level attacks of temptation. And you saw the deeper meaning, Lord, that you saw the millions and millions and millions of faces, God, of those who would eventually choose you. Lord, that you didn't choose to be angry. That you didn't choose to just say, forget about them. You didn't choose selfishness. But Lord, you looked past that and you saw a wretch like me. And you still chose. You chose to go to the cross so that I could have forgiveness so that I could have a relationship with God. I'm thankful, God. I'm thankful for each and every person here. I'm thankful, Lord, that you're moving in their hearts and in their minds. Father, would you touch each and every one of them? Help them to become more like you. In Jesus' mighty name, and all of God's people said, amen and amen and amen. Church, I love you. And as always, we here at God Squad Church love you. And if no one's told you they love you today, we love you with our whole hearts. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.